0: Welcome to Rejoice with Jannie Brown, a podcast for women of faith who are striving to live true to who and whose they are, and to infuse more joy into this journey we call life. hello my beautiful sisters i'm grateful for the opportunity to share some ideas and words of wisdom and scripture and other wisdom from wonderful men who have lived and shared their insights and their directions as they have strived to fear the lord in their lives so I would like to start with a question. What are you allowing to define yourself? Do you define yourself by the clothing that you wear or the clothing that you wish you had that you could wear? you think that you might be happier that way? Are you defining yourself by the things that are fleeting and that can come and go so quickly? Are you defining yourself by your bank account, by debt, whether you're single or you're married, your home, Your job, all the messages from social media and our culture that we can never be enough, that we need to look a certain way, that we need to have certain things in order to have value and to have worth. How often are we allowing others' words and actions toward us define Are we taking these messages that are not serving us and allowing them to have the primary focus of our lives so that we're focusing on staying stagnant instead of looking ahead and focusing on the knowledge of who we really are? so that we can live the amazing possibilities before us. I would like to share today a devotional that was given back in August of 2012 by Tad R. Callister, and he begins this devotional with the following words. I would like to discuss with you a vision of who we are and what we may become. At a recent training session for General Authorities, the question was asked, How can we help those struggling with addictions? Elder Russell M. Nielsen stood and replied, Teach them their identity and their purpose. That answer resonated with me not only as a response to that specific question, but as an appropriate response to most of the challenges we face in life. And so today, I speak of the true nature of our identity and the correct vision of our divine destiny. First, our identity. There is a sentiment among many in the world that we are the spirit creations of God, just as a building is the creation of its architect, or a painting the creation of its painter, or an invention the creation of its inventor. The scriptures teach, however, a much different doctrine. They teach that we are more than creations of God. They teach that we are the literal spirit offspring, or children of God our Father. What difference does this doctrinal distinction make? The difference is monumental in its consequence because our identity determines in large measure our destiny. For example, can a mere creation ever become like its creator? Can a building ever become an architect, a painting a painter, or an invention an inventor? If not, then those who believe we are creations of God rather than his spirit offspring reach the inevitable conclusion that we do not have the capacity to become like our creator God. In essence, their doctrine of identity has defined and dictated a diminished destiny. As members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we believe that we are the spirit offspring of God with inherited spiritual traits that give us the divine potential to become like our parent, God the Father As to this identity, President Packer has written, You are a child of God. He is the father of your spirit. Spiritually, you are of noble birth, the offspring of the King of Heaven. Fix that truth in your mind and hold to it. However many generations in your mortal ancestry, no matter what race or people you represent, the pedigree of your spirit can be written on a single line. You are a child of God. It is this doctrine of identity that defines our potential destiny of godhood. If one does not correctly understand his divine identity, then he will never correctly understand his divine destiny. They are, in truth, inseparable partners. When Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, they were in a state of spiritual neutral and could not progress toward their divine destiny until they were cast out of the Garden and thus put in spiritual motion. When they were cast out, they traded their innocence, meaning a lack of knowledge of good and evil, for the prospect of perfection. That was the deal. Innocence and perfection are not the same. An infant may be innocent, but certainly not perfect in the sense that he or she has acquired all of the attributes of godliness. Once Adam and Eve were cast from the garden, we read in the book of Genesis that God himself said, Behold, the man is become as one of us, meaning like gods. How could that be? God then tells us why this new destiny was possible. Because men now know good and evil. Being immersed in a world of good and evil, having the capacity to choose, and being able to draw upon the powers of the atonement resulted in man having unlimited opportunities to progress toward his destiny of Godhood. We learn a great doctrinal truth in these series of events surrounding the Garden of Eden. Unfallen man would have remained in a state of innocence, safe, but restricted in his progress. On the other hand, fallen man ventured into a heightened arena of risk, but, blessed with the atonement of Jesus Christ, he gained access to unlimited possibilities and powers and potential Speaking of the effect of the atonement on fallen man, C.S. Lewis remarked For God is not merely mending, not simply restoring a status quo. Redeemed humanity is to be something more glorious than unfallen humanity would have been, more glorious than any unfallen race is now. And this superadded glory will, with true vicariousness, exalt all creatures. Through the atonement of Jesus Christ, God can exalt all His children, meaning empower them to become like Him. But one might ask, why does God want us to become like Him? In order to answer that question, one must first understand why man exists. The prophet Lehi gave the short and simple answer, In the 2nd Nephi chapter 2 verse 25 in the Book of Mormon, Men are that they might have joy. President David O. McKay confirmed that fundamental doctrinal truth. Happiness is the purpose and design of existence. If I were to ask you who was the happiest being in all the universe, the one with the most joy, you would no doubt respond, God. Accordingly, God wants us to become perfect like Him so we can experience His quality of joy and thus best fulfill the measure of our existence. That is why His plan for us is sometimes called the plan of happiness. Each day, as we are searching for insight and direction and hope and peace, The power that can come from choosing to turn to our Savior in the name of our Heavenly Father and praying for those spiritual gifts, the assurance that we are God's daughters. We do have assurances all around us. As we choose to pause and just take a look at all the beauty about us, about the gift of being able to have life, the gift of having sweet associations, the gift of feeling and hearkening to the impressions of the Holy Ghost, the gift of learning and becoming and growing, we have the privilege of praying and wrestling before God through prayer as we strive to come to know ourselves better and to see ourselves as true daughters of God. And this can only come as we invite Christ into our lives and as we take all of our thoughts and our hopes and our dreams and our sorrows and our heartaches in our frustration, and our overwhelm, to be healed and empowered through the atonement of Jesus Christ. The scriptures, early Christian writers, Poetry, logic, and history testify not only of the divine possibility, but of the divine reality that man may become as God. The Doctrine and Covenants refers to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob declaring, And because they did none other things than that which they were commanded, they have entered into their exaltation, and sit upon thrones, and are not angels, but are gods. For these men, the divine possibility became the divine reality. This does not mean they became gods who replaced our Father in heaven, but rather exalted men who have enlarged capabilities to honor and glorify Him. Our Father in heaven will forever stand supreme as our God, whom we will love and revere and worship worlds without end. But how is it possible that you and I, with all of our faults and weaknesses and shortcomings, could ever become a God? Fortunately, a loving Heavenly Father has given us resources to lift us above our mortal restraints and propel us to divine heights. I mention but two resources, both made possible because of the atonement of Jesus Christ, whose crowning aim is to assist us in our pursuit of Godhood. So that we might be at one not only with Him but also at one like Him, we know that there are steps and things that we need to follow and accomplish in this life so that we can live true to our divine identity and our divine destiny. For me personally, when I am struggling. When I take a minute or two to just stop and breathe in and breathe out and remind myself that I am a goddess in the making, that there is so much more to me than what I'm able to see and recognize in this point of my eternal life experience. And I invite each one of you, when you are having those times where you are unsure, where you're struggling, where your confidence is not where you would like it to be, that you stop and think about the atonement of Jesus Christ and why Jesus Christ atoned for our sins and our sorrows and our weakness. So that if we choose to bring our weaknesses unto him, He can make them strengths. We can pray for the spiritual gift of knowing that we are God's child, of feeling the profound peace that can only come through God as we seek to know His will and seek to come to know who we really are. And as we begin to recognize bit by bit who we are, We're able to recognize that we have unlimited potential here in this life to accomplish so many great things. We're able to grow our confidence to recognize that we truly are not alone, that with Christ we can feel peace, we can feel hope, and that we can be Lights on a hill, and that we can bless and love and serve those around us because we are recognizing the love that God has for us individually, which in turn enables us to be filled with that love that we can then show to others. I would like to conclude with. Some closing remarks from Elder Tad R. Callister. And I'm just so grateful for him and the spiritual insight that he sought when he wrote this devotional to share. And it's really blessed my life. And I invite you to go on your own journey of learning about who God is and who we are because of God and that we are here to gain the same attributes and traits and characteristics that God and Jesus Christ have for we really are here to become like them and to follow the spirit in all that we do and say in being aware of the thoughts that our mind presents to us that are not always serving us that like to keep us in scarcity mode to keep us in fear and instead take one step forward in faith in believing in your divine identity and your divine destiny allowing God and Jesus Christ and the atonement of Jesus Christ to define you Tad R. Callister shares, I testify that there are no ordinary people, no ciphers, no zeros, only potential gods and goddesses in our midst. While many witnesses testify of this truth, the most powerful of all are the quiet whisperings of the Spirit that confirm both to my mind and to my heart the grandeur and truth of this glorious doctrine. As Jacob so taught, the spirit speaketh the truth and lieth not. Wherefore it speaketh of things as they really are and of things as they really will be. I pray that we will recognize our true identity as literal sons and daughters of God and grasp a vision of our divine destiny as it really may be. I pray that we will be grateful to a loving father and son who made it so. Sisters, we literally are beautiful daughters of Heavenly Father. We have divinity within us. We have divine DNA because we are the literal offspring of God. When we pause to think about what we do allow to dwell in our mind and our thoughts about who we are and how much our vision of ourselves can either promote us taking action to become better and to better love and serve to want to learn, to want to grow, to trust with everything we have during these soul-wrenching times. That as we ponder that we are goddesses in the making, that we can experience a confidence that nothing on this earth could ever create. I invite you to allow the Lord to define you to allow the atonement of Jesus Christ to more fully impress itself upon your soul of your divine identity and your divine destiny. I love you, and sisters, with Jesus Christ, we've got this.